Thank you for listening to this selection from bradhambrick.com. Brad serves as pastor of counseling at the Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina, and is excited to produce resources that equip believers and resource churches to care well for one another in their community. We pray that this serves you well, and we hope that you'll consider utilizing other resources from bradhambrick.com for your personal growth and ministry endeavors. Now, step five. And here, we mourn the wrongness of what has happened and receive God's comfort. And you may say, this seems like an awkward step at this point. And in some ways, I would say, it's not as if this step belongs here and nowhere else. But it's at this point that I put the step into the material because there's a message that I want you to hear. God wants to care for you as a person. And that means... He knows when you need rest and comfort more than when you need progress. And this is one of those times. Mourning is how we find rest in the midst of something painful without living in denial or surrendering to cynicism. uh, Gary and Mona, uh, they spoke to this. They said, we found that not recognizing the loss, not mourning, only made it worse. It took us a while to identify the things that we had lost. And even when we did, accepting that they were really gone was more difficult than we expected it would be. However, once we were able to name them, it seemed we had taken a major step on the path of healing. We didn't feel so stuck. Now, I think if we're honest, grief is just a very unclear emotion to us. And I would say a lot of that because grief is not primarily an emotion. Grief is primarily a sense of identity confusion. Who am I now? If I lost my spouse, and I had always introduced myself as husband, who am I now? When I lose my job and I had introduced myself a certain way, who am I now? And so grief is something that we don't understand in general oftentimes. But this kind of grief is a unique grief. There's no body. There's no gravesite. There's no ceremony. There's no liturgy. Nobody, everybody's acting like everything's normal. It, and so let me just walk through some things that may, that may help you think, what, what do we mourn in this kind of situation? We mourn the loss of the relationship as it once was. Things will be different. There is no going back. The future can be brighter than the past, but we do mourn the loss of the relationship as it once was. We mourn the loss of the dream of your relationship. No one dreams of the betrayal of sexual sin. We're off script at this point. We grieve the loss of the purity of the marriage bed. And this is a form of grief that will have very intense emotional spikes. Yet, um, we grieve the loss of faithfulness. And here I would say, if you try to just fight through, uh, you'll either A, feel like you were pretending like nothing happened, or B, angrily cry out, I just can't do this! As if somehow you were supposed to push through without grieving the loss of faithfulness. Uh, There's the loss of trust and emotional safety. 
there's the loss of sexual safety. The loss of financial stability is often there if there's affected the workplace. And a loss of sense of God's presence. Not because God is absent, but pain by definition is very close. And when pain feels close, especially intense pain, it makes God feel far away. And so in the midst of this, we begin to grieve our sense of God. Um, But in many ways, being able to grieve those losses out loud, hopefully in this kind of context, whether it be a counseling relationship or with somebody like that, just reminds us of God's care. That's the whole point of taking a step for mourning. Uh, Stephanie Carnes, she says, Forgiving the addict prematurely is a common problem for many partners. It's essential for you to grieve your losses before you are able to forgive. And this is where we want to say, grieving is not the same thing as piling it on. But there is some similarity between grief and bitterness. In many ways, I would consider bitterness uh, grief's evil twin. Uh, They are enough alike. Uh, And let me just describe some of those similarities to you. Both are triggered by an event that is personal and negative. Both bitterness and grief, they are triggered by something that is personal and negative. They exist on the unpleasant end of the emotional spectrum. They're down there with anger and grief and anxiety and depression. They're not over here with joy and peace. So they're at least cousins in that regard. They both feel very justified. They both feel very natural. They, feel, they don't feel like something that we're doing. They feel like something that's happening to us. They both involve a high degree of mental repetition. I mean, when you're grieving, you play your memories of that loved one over and over. And when you're bitter, you play those offenses over and over. They are both seeking to make sense of life in light of the negative event. They want to know what's going on. Where's life headed? Who am I now? They both shape the way that you interpret the people and events around you. Both past, present, and future. Grief and bitterness shapes the way that we understand things. And both have a lingering effect after the initial intense experience is over. Now here is the contrast. Bitterness is the holding on to sin. And not always because I want to be vengeful. Just because if something hurt me, I want to keep it close enough that I can keep an eye on it. And bitterness is all of those things that we just described for the purpose of keeping it close enough that it won't hurt me again. But in effect, it's just slowly eating away at me. And grief is the cleansing of the suffering story. As I replay the events and I'm battling and I'm letting the fog, when it rolls in, I'm trying to push it back. Grieving it is when I am separating the things that happened that were wrong, that are truly sad and need to be grieved from all of the destructive messages that would come with it. Uh, Gary and Mona uh, said, It was definitely a healing moment, however, when both infidel and spouse can acknowledge the depth of pain the adultery is caused. When the spouse can say they believe the infidel gets it. 
That is one of those things that I hear couples grapple and grasp for as much as anything else. And in many ways, that's that grieving component. When we have a funeral, uh, we invite key people into our lives. They all gather together. We hear them in unison say, we're so sorry for your loss. There's this sense that the people in our life get it. Now at the same time, we can admit people say lots of stupid stuff at funerals. I could have an open mic up here for a moment and we could talk about all of the things that people have said when we were going through grief and we would laugh and cry and cringe together. Uh, And in many ways, these situations are no different. But it's during that morning of the sexual sin that comes after confession in terms of the false love study in step five there when we realize our spouse begins to get it. Now in terms of mourning, a couple of points here. You're not going to finish this step before you move on through the process. It's not as if you feel like this has to be completely resolved. This is something that's going to go on as you move forward. Um, it, the biggest thing I would want you to gain from this step is the reassurance that God cares for you enough to let you rest on His journey, that you're not rushed. Um, and so Gary and Mona, one more time here. It says, We had to mourn the time of Gary's unfaithfulness, but that did not mean that his faithfulness to Mona or to God could not be restored. And here I would say this mourning step echoes uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, where it says, We do not mourn, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. And the same kind of mourning that we give here that as we enter step five and we begin to mourn what happened, we do not mourn as those who have no hope. We mourn those with a Savior who is bigger than the sin and the tragedy that we have been through. And that mourning allows us not to minimize or dismiss the tragedy, but to acknowledge it for the thing that it is without allowing it to define our life so that we can move forward in ways that are healthy.